Welcome to another episode of Latinos Who Thrive. This week, we bring you special guest Stacy Letoisen, founder of Dream Big Ventures, LLC. Stacy earned her BS from University of Houston and her MBA from the University of St. Thomas, which propelled her 22-year career in the energy industry with Chevron. She has a proven track record in cost and change management, business planning, financial planning and analysis, and stakeholder management for global multi-million dollar projects. Her unique experience working and living in China and Angola has raised her global awareness and helped her shape her business perspective. Stacy is a single mother of two and the first in her family to graduate from college. She wants to emulate that it is never too late to change your dreams. Finding that there is less than 2% of venture capital funds going to women and minorities Stacy is on a mission to change that. She is determined to be part of the solution that changes that. She is leveraging her learnings from the Columbia Business School Venture Capital and Private Equity Program to support women and minorities by educating them and providing them opportunities for brilliant missionaries to bring their ideas to the world. We now bring you Stacy Letoisen. So Stacy, welcome to our show. Thank you, Victor. It's an honor to be here today and to share some insight with so many other Latinos out here. You know, we've all got to support each other and uplift each other. So I'm really excited to share everything that I can with your listeners today. Absolutely. And we're very glad to have you as a special guest. Stacy, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Stacy Latoyson. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. So I'm a local. And um, I did my undergrad at the University of Houston actually in information systems, and then got my MBA from St. Thomas, also in Houston. And that really propelled my career um, at Chevron. I did an internship with them starting in 2000. And I have to credit having people in my life just at the right time. Um, I just recently shared that I got accepted into Columbia University. And when I was young, you know, I really wanted to go to Ivy League school and I was playing basketball and on track to win a full college scholarship, but I ended up getting pregnant with my son at 17. And so, as you can imagine, being 17 years old, you know, I was um, pretty devastated. That just definitely wasn't in my plans, but I'm so grateful today that I can reflect on that and there were just different people in my life who helped to support me. And, you know, even though I was having a baby, it wasn't the end of my life. And um, my friend said, you know, my mom had me when she was 17. And I was like, no way, because everybody who was in my family and other people that I knew, they just never ended up going to college. But um, he told me, you know, hey, my mom, she went on to finished up her degree at LSU. She was an executive Texaco. And she's the one who got me the internship at Texaco, which then ended up becoming Chevron. So I am forever grateful to Deborah LeBlanc and, and Michael LeBlanc for providing that opportunity for me. It gave me hope to know somebody else who had a teenage pregnancy, but still ended up um, achieving her dreams. Before you got pregnant, what were you dreaming to be when you would uh, grow up? Um, at the time, I thought, you know, I wanted to go to law school. 
I enjoy debate and, um, you know, wanted to, and even to this day, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fierce and have a very strong conviction and, and will debate all day. So that was something that I really wanted to do, you know, at that time. And are you a believer in divine providence? Absolutely. So how do you think uh, with 2020 hindsight, how God had other plans for you? You know, perhaps at that time that that just maybe the playing basketball in college wasn't in the plan for me, but having my child so young, it made me grow up fast and become a very responsible fast because like, and it, and it gave me more motivation when I was in school to to work hard and and I wanted to like at 25 years old I bought my first house because I was determined to have a home that my son could have a backyard to play in and um so I think that it, it just gave me more drive and ambition because I wanted a good life for my child so what would you tell the younger uh Stacy if you could go back in time to when she first found out that she's pregnant now that you have some years of wisdom and perspective, what would you tell her as advice? Wow, that is a really great question, Victor. Um, one thing is to have patience and compassion for yourself. And that, um, you know, life is a journey. And, um, and I say that to all young people now, you know, you think that, oh, you have to have everything right now. Um, you don't think too far ahead in the future, but know that there's always going to be challenges in life. No matter how old you get, you're always going to have some rainy days and some, some obstacles that you have to get past. And to believe in yourself, pick yourself back up and know that um, you will get past that and you'll become stronger because of it. In one research study, researchers wanted to know at the end of a lot of people's lives, what were the top three regrets that people had? And the number one regret people had was not having compassion for myself. We easily have compassion for others when they tell us about some of the mistakes that they've made. But in general, we are harsher on ourselves. So that's very good advice is to have compassion on yourself. Understand that life is your journey and that you will make mistakes. And like I tell clients, uh, they're smart mistakes, the ones you learn lessons from so you never commit them again. And they're stupid mistakes, the one you keep repeating over and over again. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is so true. We're often our worst critic. I'm guilty of that myself. And I think society, um, often we think that there's a certain path that we're all supposed in, in certain expectations that we put on ourselves. But in actuality, everybody has a different story and everybody has a different path and journey. You know, we all don't get to the place where we are the same way. Yes. I was listening to a very interesting uh, interview this morning and they were talking about uh, how there's a YouTube video that's gone viral about showing people walking in a hospital uh, hallway and what is above them or below them is a caption of what they're struggling with. 
So like, uh, for example, one person, uh, they're excited because they are going to see their firstborn. Another one is they're going there to uh, say goodbye to a loved one. And so all of the different issues that people are facing, they're put on as captions. And I just thought that's really fascinating because we all do have a story. We all have our own problems that we're struggling through. And what I tell clients is the struggle is the journey. And what you need to understand is that uh, in between the struggle, there is deep satisfaction and purpose because those people that have never struggled, those people that have never experienced pain, they have no depth and they also lack compassion for others because they have no point of reference. Yes. And that's why, you know, nowadays to be a good leader, you have to be an empathetic leader. You have to understand that, you know, there's people on your team that are going through different things. Yes. And, and, you know, you have to have compassion and understanding because, you know, you just never know what somebody is going through personally or professionally. You know, they may have just heard that someone is sick in their family or they may have just had a death in their family or, you know, you just never know. So you really need to be kind to everyone. It's good. Our world needs people just to be more kind. Stacy, who influenced you in your mindset? Because you have a very forward thinking, uh, pro-education, very strong drive. Who influenced you to create that mindset? I have to be thankful. And my parents often say this. They're like, you know, your circle of friends, your support system, like we're happy for the, the circle of people that you keep around. Um, you know, everybody's very encouraging and supportive of one another. And we continue to rise and to grow and to share tips. And every time I learn something new, I share it with my family. Um, and I share it with my friends. I think it's very important. Do you have an author that somehow influenced you or a speaker? Or someone that you follow as, as someone that has influenced your thinking? Um. So right now I'm attending Columbia Business School, so I don't have time to read anything else. (laughs) That keeps you pretty busy. It is keeping me busy, but it's awesome. And I love learning. And so I'm really enjoying this experience. Um, I would have to say people that I follow. um, Gosh, um, I was once asked if you could sit around the table and have dinner with like 10 people, who would it be? You know, uh, Michelle Obama, Melinda Gates which I had won the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, scholarship and that helped to pay for my undergrad education. And I'm forever grateful to Bill Gates. Yes, they made a huge impact on me and on so many students. Um, Who else would be there? Uh, Serena Williams, um, Jennifer Lopez, Michael Jordan. Uh, (laughs) I would just love to sit down with these people and, and... learn more and grow more. Um, oh my gosh, Barack Obama. Yeah, our new Supreme Court justice, you know, and, and uh, Sonia Sotomayor. <laughs> so um, those are some people that I follow. I, I love visionaries, people who are really concerned about others and helping make our, our lives better and leaving a good, leaving this world better than, than you know, putting a, a mark and leaving a good legacy for our future generation. 
you are in the field of venture capitalist. Tell us how you got started with that. Um, one moment, if I can go back to your previous question. Sure. I recently attended a conference called ASER. Um, it's the Hispanic Association on Corporate Responsibility, and it was the Latina Empower Her Summit in Orlando. And we had some phenomenal Latina speakers there that are CEOs of their companies. And you can just imagine all of the hurdles and things that they had to go through and, and how they had to continue to uh, persevere and, and believe in themselves and vice presidents and general managers and everything at their large corporations. And um, that was very inspirational. Um, one of the speakers, Nina Vaca, she is the CEO of Pinnacle Group. And one thing that she said to us was, we often overestimate what we can accomplish in one year, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. Yes, that's a quote that I don't know if Tony Robbins originated it. Uh, <laughs> you know how quotes get circulated around yes. and around. But I had heard that quote, that we're too short-sighted in our planning or what we think we can accomplish. But when we play the long game and we pursue it tenaciously, it's just a matter of time before we, we get there. Absolutely. So in this conference, what did you learn? that you can pass on to our listeners uh, as far as takeaway points that you learned over and above what you just shared? Yes. Another thing that she said that really had an impact on me was one who looks outside can dream, but one who looks inside awakens. That's another old quote that's been around. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? It worked. It helped me because I hadn't heard it before. So, <laughs> good for you. Good I'm like having this enlightenment moment in my life where um, I was working overseas. You know, like just very comfortable in that situation because I was making a lot of extra money, and just the the company takes very good care of expats. But um, after the pandemic, unexpectedly, I ended up back in Houston. And so I was very devastated, but my mentor said, well, whatever you do, don't do nothing. And so it took me a while to figure out, like, what is my next step? You know, what, what am I going to do um, next? And that's when I decided, you know, in 2022, anything that I've ever dreamed of, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go for it. Like, why not? And so that's the reason why I enrolled at Columbia Business School. Congratulations for being accepted. Thank you. Um, you lived overseas. I read that as part of your uh, biography. Tell us about that and how that uh, impacted your worldview. Yes. Traveling is such an enriching experience. More people need to do it. You know, it's sad that so many people still don't have passports, you know, and I, and, but I am so grateful for, for that experience. I mean, I was 28 years old um, when I had my first expat assignment in China, I lived there for five years as a single mother with my son. And I learned so much. I mean, China wasn't even on my list of places that I wanted to visit, quite frankly. But now I had a chance to see like all of Asia um, while, while we were there. And my son learned to speak Mandarin and I did too. And just met really warm, great people. And I think there's one universal quality about 
everyone all over the world is that everyone is working hard to provide for their families. I think it just kind of boils down to that, you know, um, but I met really great people and just learned so much about different cultures and it, uh, it was unbelievable. And I had a chance to fly my, my parents over and my nephews and plant that seed in them. So, and my parents are grateful. They're like, we never would have seen all these different places. And, and um, now my nephews also have that travel bug. And I had one, he went to the air force and he was stationed in Tokyo and Korea. And he was like, Aunt Stacy, you know, I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't shown us another part of the world. Stacy, compare the Chinese mindset as far as uh, work ethic and as far as uh, drive in, in business and in work to the American mindset. What was your experience? I actually think that um, because they only have one child, the, the one child policy, that a, a lot of people are under a lot of pressure to make their family proud. And um, it's like their family is working so hard to save money and send them to college. And it's like their dream is to come to America. So I remember when I was pregnant with my daughter and I was having her in Beijing and it's like my um, hairstylist was pregnant and was going to fly to the United States to have the baby. You know, it's just so funny, but that's their dream, really. And they get a lot of um you know, a lot of innovation comes from the States, a lot of the movies. And so um, they're very, they just want to know more and they want to learn English. And that's kind of what I learned from it the most. Per capita, they have more master's degrees than, than Americans. Isn't that a fact? Yeah, I think that's probably, again, that expectation from their family. Education. It's like you, there's social pressure from your family that you are going to advance the family's name, the family's interest, the society, the community, uh, tremendous pressure that there's no uh, scragglers here. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, same with the Korean students at my yes. son went to school with at the international school. They were going to school during the day at the international school and then going to Korean school at night. Yes. So it's like, wow, these children were <laughs> barely having time to go and do fun things with their friends after school because they were going to two schools at the same time. You are listening to Latinos Who Thrive with special guest Stacey Letwizen. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by ETC, Escalante Training and Consulting. Do you need more sales and greater productivity? For more than two decades, Victor Escalante has been training executives and companies in cultural communications, team building processes, sales competency, emotional intelligence, and project management. Find out how ETC is ready to help you by visiting their website at victorescalante.com. We now return you back to Latinos Who Thrive with special guest, Stacey Latwizen. Years ago, I was invited to go teach in China through a certification program at uh, uh, UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso. Mm -hmm. And what they told me is that in a lot of factories in China, the workers work uh, day hours and then at night, at the plant, they have university programs to where they can get their master's degree. And that's what I was going to be doing. And I considered it, 
But in the end, I turned it down. It's like, I didn't sound too appealing to be doing that kind of work in China. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious what your experience was uh, in, in that uh, social pressure to yeah. always be advancing the interest of, of the country and, and the family. Yes, and also a lot of pressure on, on them to get married young and to have children young. So like, you know, divorce is looked, uh, is frowned upon and the women in the office, actually, I ended up later finding out that I was like a big inspiration and role model for them because they had never seen, you know, not only a, a woman coming there as an expat, but also, you know, a, a Latina and, uh, you know, a young and a single mother, you know, they're like, what, you know, they just, um, and I think they were, you know, happy to see that because a lot of them, they don't, they're under a lot of pressure. Are there a lot of Latinos in China? There was not a lot, but, uh, but I got so excited that at the hotel, there was a, a salsa band from Colombia. So, I mean, that just like made my day. And then a lot of the Chinese like to dance salsa. So they actually had a salsa congress in Hong Kong that I went to. And, you know, it was cool joining, you know, finding that niche and, and that community. And you know, then I got a chance to meet more people that way. What advice would you give to those uh, listeners that they may be considering uh, doing uh, some kind of work overseas? Uh, would you encourage it? Absolutely. Why would you encourage uh, going overseas? Oh, my gosh, because, you know, you can kind of live in your bubble and you're used to living a certain way and you don't you will never know if you don't go put yourself out there and and have some new adventures. I mean, you're going to grow and become more enriched because of it. You're going to meet more people. Um, You know, it also can help make things more enriching for your your own family if they come and travel and visit you. So I, I absolutely encourage that. And if I have a chance to live overseas again, I will do it again in a heartbeat. Okay. No question. You're a very high profile Latina in Houston and your advocacy is to help other Latinas or, or Latinos in general or uh, both genders? Oh, absolutely. Not just Latinas, um, but really the youth like to definitely help people, but especially people in the community who are underserved and who just don't have opportunities, don't have the means, don't have the knowledge, you know, to help them get more access and more information and, and believe in themselves because often you just don't know what you don't know. Tell us what you've done to date. It's like, uh, what are some of the initiatives that you've either funded or gotten collaboration with other entities to launch here in here in Houston? Well, I'm always supporting, um, a lot of my friends have their own um, foundations like uh, Christina Morales every year. She organizes the um, back to school back to school drive that they give away free school supplies for the community in the East end. And Oh my gosh, it warms my heart and means so much to see all of the students and their families. And they line up for miles to come and pick up those supplies. And, you know, like if it weren't for her initiative that they would really struggle to do that. So um, that's something that's near and dear that I love to volunteer for. Um, education is at the pinnacle of my beliefs. I enjoy talking to 
high school and college students and helping to, to give them advice and, and encourage them to believe in themselves and to go after their dreams. Talk to us about some of those speeches that you've given to students uh, to do just that. What are some of the the key points that you try to impart to them? Well, I think uh, one is in sharing my story. Um, it was Deborah LeBlanc knowing this one person. So representation does matter. You know, knowing somebody who had a child at 17 and still ended up finishing school, you know, she didn't let that stop her. That helped to motivate me. And so I just hope that sharing my story will motivate others um, and inspire them and encourage them to like, no matter what you go through, to keep on going, um, reach for the stars. You can do it no matter where you come from. What was your biggest hurdle as a young mother that you had to overcome? <sighs> um, you know, I had to work full time. I had to pay for daycare. Um, you know, I had to study. I was like, I was also singing in a band. I was also coaching my son's like uh, basketball and soccer team at the Y. I mean, I think I did not sleep at all during my 20s. <laughs> so um, you had a lot on your plate. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us about your music uh, career. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but I was one of the original members of Destiny's Child. Um, actually, it was called Girls' Time at the time. And Interesting. Uh, yeah, I was 10 years old singing with Beyonce. We both were singing lead. Um, but I had, I'm still in, still in contact with her father, Matthew. I haven't, I haven't seen Beyonce in years, but I'm very I proud. did a photo shoot of Matthew not too long ago at, at his uh, studio there. Uh, that high rise so i got to see all of the accolades and uh what he shared with me is that what they're doing is they're now transferring all the remember the old tapes that that they used to shoot in they were like yes. inch and a half videotapes yeah the vhs <laughs> the, uh, well they're uh commercial grade uh tapes oh. that they're now digitizing because i guess they had a lot of recordings that they needed to preserve so, uh, so I got to see a lot of the archives that, that he had, uh, in, in their studio. Cool. I'm probably on one of them. Yeah. I'm I, sure you are. I I'm lived in that same high rise. So him and I were neighbors. Did you really? That's yeah. interesting. That is interesting. Now, what did that teach you? What did that experience teach you about yourself and about life in general? Um, maybe if <laughs> sometimes people ask me like, oh, do you have any regrets about quitting the group? And I was like, wow, maybe one lesson could be, um, how we underestimate the long term. You know, at the time, Matthew was not the manager. It was, um, a different people were managing the group, but you know, who knows if I had stayed the course, maybe I, I would have been on one of the, you know, best-selling albums too. And <laughs> You would be on a different trajectory path. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm proud of where I am today. And, you know, it just, that wasn't meant to be for me. Um, and who knows, maybe one day I will still record an album. It's actually something that is on my life list. And even if nobody listens to it, it's still something that I, I would like to do one day before I uh, leave this earth. 
So in your venture capitalist business, talk to us about the nuts and bolts of that. What exactly do you do? Okay. So um, I was very inspired after attending a network of executive women conference and Serena Williams was a keynote speaker. And, you know, she's, of course, we all know her for her amazing, what, what she's done on the court. She's the greatest of all time. And, um, but she's also making a difference in this world by starting her Serena Ventures, which she's targeting women and minorities. And she said, did you know that only 2% of VC funds go to women and minority startups? And I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, are you kidding me? 50% of our consumers are women. You know, 50% of our population are women. And yet only 2% of the funds are going to women and minorities. So I felt like, um, I have a new purpose in life and that's when my, it's like my, my passion and my purpose and is all aligning. I feel like the 22 years that I've worked at Chevron managing billion dollar projects and their, their budgets and the business plans that I can align that experience with um, now this new chapter of, of reviewing opportunities and, and uh, raising capital for these new uh, startups but targeting that niche. Of so are you an angel investor in some of these uh, minority-based startups? Yes, I'm already an angel investor and proud to say that there's a new bank opening in Houston called Agility Bank, and it's women-owned and founded. And uh, we started a Houston Investment Women's Club, and we invested in this, um, in this bank. And it's really exciting times. So that was kind of like the first... First of the big investments. Okay. And you are also out to network and connect with other uh, sources of capital. Talk to us about that. Absolutely. You know, in this venture capital field, often there's kind of two barriers of entry for a lot of minorities and women. You know, number one is that we don't know. We don't have the information is not readily available for us. And you know, number two, not having the capital, the means to, to make these investments. And also, you know, they are long-term. They're on average, it's like 10 years before um, they you know, actually have an exit and you may get um, some returns. So yes, I'm definitely, you know, looking for some investors that are interested in, in um, investing in women and minorities and, and who are, you know, definitely believe in that cause and helping to close this huge wealth gap that we have right now. So why do you think that we have such a big uh, wealth gap, minorities and Latinos? Yes, you know, as I said, number one, we just, we just don't know. We don't have access to capital. And, um, you know, even today, it makes me sad to see that so many people are going to have to work until they literally die because they don't have um, money that they put away into a retirement and a 401k. They have nothing to fall back on. And, you know, social security is just, there's not enough. You can barely even put food on the table and buy groceries. And they're forecasting that, you know, it's going to be depleted by the time, you know, a lot of our future and probably even me, whenever I get to retirement age. So it's extremely important for people to gain financial literacy. And um, especially, <laughs> um, you know, in our families too. Sometimes it's, for whatever reason, it's not something that we talk about. And in our education system, I mean, 
we learn about math and algebra and geometry and this and that, but we're not really, I don't think it prepares us for the real world and how we can um, live with and, and sustain independently in life. And, and, you know, we don't learn about investments unless it's something that you've been exposed to, you know, in your families or maybe what school you go to, or what you major in. Um, but a lot of people just don't have access to the information. Very little generational wealth that uh, the literacy can be passed on and the training and the mindset to always yes. grow your money. Yes, you know, and I've heard so many stories of um, women who, well, they didn't pay the bills. And so then if their husband dies and then, you know, they're not really sure what to do or, um, so it's just, it's very important for us all to, become more educated on that topic, you know, whether it's reading, listening to podcasts, uh, joining an investment club of like, you know, instead of a, which is great if you love to cook and, and if you love to knit, you know, there's different, but I think it's just as important to join an investment club and learn and grow and become more literate about your finances. So do you have an investment club for women and minorities? I am part of one. We're called the Houston Investment Women's Club or Houston okay. Women's Investment Club. Yes. And what does that entail to join? Um, well, at least have about ten thousand dollars to um, to invest, and then we meet on a monthly basis and um, and review different things that. And we all come to the table with different opportunities to see if it's something that we're all, you know, willing to put our money towards. Okay. All right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, on Tuesday, we've got our first uh, annual shareholder meeting for the Agility Bank. So we're super excited about that. And then we're going to have dinner to celebrate. What is the forecast uh, based upon the trending uh, with with your bank? What it, what do you have any anticipation of what the forecast is going to be with a financial report? Um, I don't have that information to divulge at this. Okay. Moment. Okay. That's proprietary. <laughs> You'd have to kill me if you told me. <laughs> All right. I get it. Uh, it definitely seemed like a, a good um, investment in, in our minds. So I will be uh, keeping tabs on that now. Awesome. So Stacy. Five guiding principles that have influenced your success. What are they? It's like distill for us five core principles that you believe are they are your truths to get to where you are and beyond. One, I say, um, never be afraid to ask. There's, you know, most of the time people who already, you know, have experienced things would love to share their um, expertise and their insight and, and their learnings. So definitely um, when you're networking, you know, don't be afraid to ask and, and, and follow up. Also um, be patient with yourself. Know that everything isn't just going to happen just like that. You know, things take time. Um, I would say never stop believing and understand that you're going to go through things, but just have perseverance. 
And um, let me see, is that four? That's four, yes. Five. Um, and definitely keep a good circle. Often people say, you know, you got to have your personal board of directors. I've heard it um, described in that way, you know, which is true. You, somebody, a group of people that you can bounce some ideas off of, they're going to be honest with you. They've got your best interest at heart. And it's um, great to have people like that in your life that they, they want to see you succeed and, you know, keep uplifting and encouraging each other and, and help others be kind and help others. So um, I'm available. I will put your contact information in the show notes for people to contact you uh, if they want more information about how they can get involved in Agility Bank or any, any other information that uh, they would like to uh, get from you. Yeah, well, actually, and my Dream Big Ventures LLC is my my uh, company. Okay. Capital firm. So we can go to my website, www.dreambigventuresllc.com, and um, they can contact me through there. My Thank you very much. We've enjoyed having you as a guest, and we'll keep following you and your trajectory. Thank you so much, Victor. Mm-hmm.